Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush. And today my guest is Tammy Simon from SoundsTrue.com. I'm very excited about the interview. But before we get started, if you would like to get the podcast delivered directly to your inbox, sign up for the newsletter. You can do that at ProgressionCounseling.com or WomanWarriors.com. There are forms to fill out. I think there's a pop-up as well. So get on the list and get all the updates delivered directly to your inbox. So full disclosure, I am an affiliate of Sounds True, which means if you click a link through me, through my website on certain products or promotions, I get a portion of the proceeds through that sale. All of any income I receive on the podcast goes to supporting the podcast. It takes time and money and energy to put podcast episodes out week after week. So just know that that is the case. You always have the option to not buy anything that I recommend on the podcast. So today my guest is Tammy Simon. At age 22, she started Sounds True, now a multimedia publisher with a dream and a tape recorder. Though she had no business experience and only a vague idea of what she wanted the company to be, Tammy had her guiding principle strongly in place to disseminate spiritual wisdom. Over its 35-year history, Sounds True has produced over 3,000 titles, been nominated twice for the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing companies, and is North America's leading publisher of spoken word spiritual teachings. One of the world's very first organizations to focus on multiple bottom lines as a part of its founding mandate, Sounds True has expanded steadily over the years while staying true to its original mission. Partnering with the leading spiritual teachers of our time, Sounds True now has a successful book publishing program distributed by Macmillan and has grown to produce events, certification programs, and transformational online learning experiences. Tammy hosts the popular Sounds True podcast, Insights at the Edge, which has now been downloaded more than 15 million times. She is also the founder of the new Sounds True Foundation, which is dedicated to bringing spiritual education to people who would otherwise not have access. She lives in Boulder, Colorado, and in British Columbia with her wife, Julie Kramer, their two spoodles, Raspberry and Beulah. Tammy shares with us what got her started on her journey of lifelong learning and some aha moments or takeaways she's gotten from her podcast guests. 
She also shares how serving others has been the driving force behind Sounds True. Let's get started. Hi, Tammy, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Oh, I'm really excited and very honored that you uh, agreed to come on the podcast. I have uh, tuned in and used or whatever, um, known about Sounds True, your company, since probably since I began my therapy practice. So I'm, I'm a late bloomer. So that was probably about six or seven years ago and signed up and got a, like a free CD with meditations. I think Jack Cornfield is on it and Kelly McGonigal and a couple other people. And I used to use that constantly because I really didn't know how to meditate or, you know, how to even start. And that was like my entrance into the meditation world. Ah, well, wonderful, wonderful to know that Sounds True's resources were helpful to you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit, the listeners, about who you are and what inspired you to create Sounds True 22 years ago, if that's right. Right. Uh, it's actually longer than that, which oh, is fine. Oh, when I'm you happy- were 22, right. <laughs> yeah, happy to uh, share that I was a college a dropout, and I had gone to Sri Lanka, India, and Nepal for a year mm. to actually study meditation. And Sounds True came out of that early journey in my life mm-hmm. to really find a source of inner wisdom that I didn't feel was being offered in an academic setting. So that was back in 1985. So here we are 35 years later, Mm. and I've been at the helm of Sounds True this whole time, and we've grown into a 125-person company. We also have, uh, when we used to go into the building before the pandemic, about 20 dogs that would come to work with us, various people who brought their dogs, and I just say that because it gives you a little bit of a feeling of our community. Yeah. it sounds true. We publish books, audio programs, online courses. We also offer certification programs. We have a, a training program that certifies people in being mindfulness meditation instructors that's taught by Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield. And we have a new program called the Inner MBA, which is a nine-month program that teaches people the skills on how to be a business professional that really walks the talk of your deepest values being expressed in the business arena. Wow. I love that. I, I, I did the, um, I took the power of awareness, I guess, that Tara and Jack Cornfield did. That's like the pre, if you want to yeah. be the, do the meditation teacher, like that was kind of the first step. And that was incredibly powerful. I, I found, I got a lot out of that. Yeah. So um when you were when you dropped out and took this journey to Sri Lanka and India, I know you described in another interview that I listened to earlier that like, there was this part of you that 
really didn't feel like you fit in, that there was this sense that, you know, you weren't like other people. I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about what that experience was like. Sure. And, you know, because you're uh, in the therapy field Mm -hmm. and I know that you're accustomed to going deep with people and talking about their inner experience, Mm -hmm. I can track that sense of feeling, uh, you know, I would call it feeling like an alien, Mm -hmm. actually back to uh, very early days in my infancy and childhood, where I didn't have a secure attachment with my mom. And although my parents were both very loving and they afforded me tremendous opportunities for which I am eternally grateful, uh, my mom and I didn't quite bond in the early days. And she, I had five, uh, my mom had five children. So I was the youngest of five. Mm -hmm. And I'm bringing that up because I think there was a way that I felt uh, alone and disconnected through much of my early life. And I think a lot of my early interest in spirituality, in wisdom traditions, actually came from a psychological need that I had to simply feel connected, to simply feel that I belonged on the earth. I belong here. I belong with other humans. And, you know, early in my life, I looked out and I saw uh, the level of violence in the culture in terms of war and police violence. I grew up in Miami, Florida, and I was appalled. Mm -hmm. And I thought this world is so coarse. I don't fit here. I'm sensitive. Mm. And I feel things. And like, when are they going to beam me up and take me back to my home planet? <laughs> right, right. Where are, my they, pe- where are my people? Could they please come get me? So I think that's been a thread throughout my life. And as a teenager, I started reading books by Herman Hess and Alan Watts and mm. Rainer Maria Rilke. Mm. And these books meant so much to me. They were a kind of lifeline for me. And what I felt was that these writers knew the kind of depth of questioning and uh, angst that I felt and that they somehow had found their way through. They found their way through to the other side so that they could write about their experiences in a way that would be throwing a lifeline to other people. And I wanted to do something like that with my life. And in many ways, that's the roots of how Sounds True came into being. Hmm. Well, and I just want to say that I have felt similarly throughout my childhood and a lot of the clients that I work with feel this sense of, yes, alienness or not belonging. And yeah, so much of it does, I think, stem from attachment. So I appreciate your your um, sharing that with us because I, I feel like to not feel like you're alone in that, for one, because you do feel like you are, but to know that others have experienced that too is so, so important. Yeah. And I also would add that it can be healed. Yes. It can be healed. And I think that's very, very important. One of the authors we published, It Sounds True, her name is Judith Blackstone, and she wrote a book called Belonging Here. Mm -hmm. And in it, she teaches a way of coming into our immediate embodied awareness, actually feeling like we exist inside our feet and our legs and our torso and our arms and our head. And she takes you through practices to do this. 
And through that embodiment practice, which I think is really the practice of meditation yes. when it's done from the neck down and not just uh, from the neck up, when you're really tuning in deeply to your embodied sense of presence, yeah. yeah, your embodied experience, you come to realize that you're part of everything, right? <laughs> yes, you belong here. You're welcome. You're home right here where you are is home. So I think yeah. that's a very important thing to emphasize that there's a journey, yes, from feeling like an alien to feeling uh, like an expression of the universe that is uh, perfectly right and perfectly on time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm so, um, I advocate for, you know, meditation and self-reflection and, and mindfulness as a way to bring ourselves back to us, you know, that embodied experience. But tell us a little bit about your experience with using the mindfulness and meditation to help you find your more genuine self? Sure. Well, early on as a person, so in my early 20s here, I'm just learning meditation for the first time. I took a 10-day retreat taught by a Burmese meditation master, mm -hmm. Goenka, and that was when I was in Sri Lanka. And then I traveled up to India to his center in Igatpuri, and took two more retreats and then went to Kathmandu, Nepal, and did another 10-day retreat. And wow. during this period in my life, what I discovered was that meditating was a way for me to get out of the noise of my discursive thinking process hmm. and instead enter a felt experience of, yes, being present, but also being limitless. Like I couldn't find the boundaries when I would sit down on the cushion and shut my eyes and breathe out on the exhale and expand into space. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually connected and made of the same fabric as infinite space. Hmm. That's amazing. So I had these very early strong discoveries and I wanted to share that experience and other contemplative roots, because for not everybody sitting on the cushions, not their way, but for me it was. But I wanted to share as many different ways to that experience that I'll just call uh, presence, mm -hmm. because it feels like that, that sense of uh, being. Oh, that's what being feels like. And that was really how Sounds True started when I came back to the United States. And mm -hmm. then I uh, just spent so much time uh, working and creating sounds true, but felt that there was a deeper way that I could explore the spiritual path that I hadn't yet found. And at that time in my life, I was about 39. I met a teacher named Reggie Ray, who teaches in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And he teaches a very deep series of meditating with the body practices that involve us connecting with actually the energy of the earth as well as the infinite realm of space. And I'm bringing that up and maybe I'm going into more detail than you want, but yeah. for me, having this connection with the earth that I discovered gave me a way to feel grounded in a deeper way that I feel this next phase of my life from 39 to the age that I am now, which is 58, mm -hmm. has really come from, this sense of having a taproot 
in the energetic space of the earth and being able to draw on that rootedness mm. in my life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Interesting. I did a grounding meditation right before we spoke just because I was a little bit nervous about talking to you and I wanted to show up as my most grounded self. So there you go. I, I can relate to how important that can be. Well, it's interesting for me too, sometimes with meditation, I do get into sort of this lost space of disconnection while I'm meditating, which I've recognized for me is just part of what happens. And so I come back and, but it's, it's taught me so much about myself and how I cope, which I think is important. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a very, it just opens a lens into my, yeah, my embodied sort of experience, which is very important to me. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, so sounds true. Amazing company. Uh, I, I listened to another interview and I forget which podcast it was on. I think it was a video interview where you talk about um, just like showing up to lectures, being able to tape record, having cassette tapes to be able to sell and just listening and absorbing all this information and then being able to sell it to others to also experience it. I, I'm just so impressed with your, I don't know, I guess, um, entrepreneurial spirit from back then. Yeah. You know, at the time, I didn't even really know it was an entrepreneurial spirit. I think it was uh, a bit of a rebel combined with a, I'm going to find my way <laughs> yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. And the rebel part was that, you know, for me, the status quo that was in front of me, there was no seat for me in that world. There wasn't like, oh, Tammy, here's your seat. Mm -hmm. I looked around and I was like, what? Where do I go? What do I do? I was a religious studies major who dropped out of college. What am I going to do now? Right. And the only thing I loved, really loved, was learning and listening. Those were two things. I love audio. And so I was a volunteer at the local public radio station. And because I loved learning, I was like, I want to continue the education that I couldn't get in an academic environment by interviewing spiritual teachers. And I also want to learn what has happened to me. Like what, what's going on? Some part of me is infinite and another part of me feels a little uh, strange and broken. I don't quite understand it. It's not all integrated and coming together. I need to learn more. Where do I go? College isn't the place. Mm -hmm. So I started this interview program at KGNU, Boulder County Community Radio, interviewing spiritual teachers. And interestingly enough, almost at the end of every episode, I'd get a few calls and people would say, I love that interview. God, that was so interesting. Can I, can I get a copy from you? Hmm. you mind? Can I? And so I had a little dubbing cassette deck and I would make copies of the interviews and I would sell them for 10 bucks. And before you know it, I had a small cottage business and we're talking small. I don't even know if we can call it a cottage, maybe <laughs> like a, a dog house or a shed or something. Maybe I'd sell five copies a week, but it didn't matter. This was my volunteer thing and I loved it. And, you know, it was really, it wasn't like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. It was like, someone called me and said, can I have a copy? And I thought, well, this is easy. I can just, you know, do it on my dubbing deck and it's the radio show. And anyway, uh, all of that is to say that 
I was writing in my journal at the time, God, I'm willing to do your work. Please show me what it is. And that was the sentence that I kept saying again and again and again. And when my father died when I was 21, I inherited a small amount of money. It's $50,000. At the time, for me, that $50,000 felt like a lot of money. Yeah. In today's world, it would be about $200,000. So here I am at 21. This felt like a lot of money. Yeah. And through a series of events, that became the seed capital that started Sounds True. But it wasn't because I was entrepreneurial. It was more that I went through a logic in my head that said, okay, I'm basically unemployable. Like, let's start there. I'm unemployable. Okay. So what am I going to do? I now have this small inheritance. At the end of a couple of years, the worst case scenario is that I'll go out and have to get a job, which is the situation I'm facing right now. Or maybe this thing will work. It's worth an experiment. So I would say I was experimental. Okay. There you go. Yeah. But, but, but experimentation and entrepreneurship. Yeah. entrepreneurship takes so much bravery too, though, right? I mean, to say, I guess, I mean, to me, it feels like it takes bravery to step into this sort of uncomfortable not knowing what's going to happen. You know, it's interesting because um, people have, have made that comment before, you know, you were so brave when you were so young. And it, it didn't feel that way on the inside, it just felt like I was trying to find my way. Mm. And it didn't feel, oh, you're brave. I mean, I didn't really have an option to go take a job that was out there. I mean, I took one uh, job working on the floor of a place that sold stained glass to people who make stained glass windows. And I took that job because I was inspired by cathedrals. This tells you where my mind was at. I was inspired by stained glass windows. They filled me with a sense of awe and wonder. And I thought, okay, I'll work in a stained glass shop. And after two weeks, I was called into the office of the manager and they said, you don't fit in here. And I was like, well, I could have told you that. (laughs) I'm just trying to do a good job. (laughs) And they're like, you know, you go into the storage closet during your lunch break to meditate. Uh, That doesn't, it's just, you don't fit here. So uh, we just don't think, you know, this is going to work out. Wow. So, I mean, that's where I was at, at that age. And so yeah. I, was, I was just trying to find my way. And also, I think this is a really important point. I wanted to make a contribution to other people. Yeah. There was this thing in me that had felt I'd been given so much and it weighed on me. My, you know, I, my parents had invested in a private school education for me. They were so unconditionally supportive of my uh, journey and experimentation as someone in their 20s. And I felt a debt and it weighed on me heavily, a debt to society. Like, am I going to give back in some way? Am I going to contribute in some way? So that was weighing on me. And I, and I really think that sounds true was a sense of an offering. Oh, here's something I can give. People like the interviews that I host. I can give them out more broadly. So anyway, I think those were the seeds of it more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like the giving to me speaks so much to kind of, uh, in a way where we are today with every, with the coronavirus making things so difficult with all the racism that we're seeing, like being able to offer 
I don't know, hope, one thing, but two um, ways to heal when things are really hard feels important. But I do think too that our, our as you know, speaking as a white woman, that my mindfulness and um, more spiritual practices do help me f- be more compassionate and um, see others as humans versus, you know, uh, classifying them, stereotyping them. You know, it, it creates kindness, compassion, and empathy where otherwise I might not have so much. Can you? Talk a little bit. Sorry, that was yeah. kind of a very roundabout question, but that's okay. Well, as I was talking to you about the gratitude I felt and the debt of gratitude that I felt, that's a way of talking about white privilege. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that language. That wasn't the language I used. The language I used was being uh, born uh, in an upper middle class family in a first world country. I knew how privileged I was as a youngster. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the privilege to drop out of Swarthmore College, you know, one of the most competitive colleges in the world, yeah. and to say, I don't need to get my degree. I don't, I'm, I'm going to leave. You know, even that was a kind of privilege that I had. Mm-hmm. And so that all weighed on me and said, Tammy, what are, how are you going to honor your family lineage and what you've been given And how are you going to contribute to the uplifting of society to other people? And I I feel that. I feel that uh, still in my life. It sounds true. For a long time, uh, the company, we just plowed all the profits back into the business in order to grow the business as an independent company. And uh, so, you know, money was not taken out of the business. It just stayed in the business. Grow, 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 grow. And at a certain point, a couple years ago, we started actually being financially really solid and successful. So we decided to start the Sounds True Foundation. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, now we can do this. Now we have the bandwidth, the resource, the capacity as a company. Because I remember in the early days of the company when I would talk about you know, uh, various ways we could uh, donate or contribute. Uh, I remember one of my employees raised their hand and said, how about giving, uh, I won't say his name, but he said, how about giving to my name family foundation? Mm-hmm. I could use, you know, because he was trying to put three kids through school. But right. at a certain point, everybody at the company was being paid a competitive wage. We have a successful profit sharing program. And we were like, okay, you know, the next step is to start the Sounds True Foundation. Mm-hmm. And to be able to make sure that people who uh, don't have the financial resources to attend a two-year certification program to become a meditation teacher, a program that you know is an expensive program to attend, that we can give away a generous number of scholarships. So that's been really, really critical. And in that, this year, we'll be giving away uh, you know, upwards of a hundred scholarships that have wow. been earmarked for Black Indigenous people of color, wow. and you know, it's a quarter of a million dollars that we've put into a fund to support that. And and I'm saying that because that's been a thread, and at the same t- of the in the business, and at the same time, of course, we have to uh, you know make sure that sometimes people refer to sounds true as the mothership, that uh, the hmm. mothership is you know healthy and strong and successful as a first priority. Absolutely. So you can continue to do the work that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I have a, you know, being a, a relatively new podcaster, you've been doing this, some shifting gears here a little bit. You've been doing, a, you've had hosted a podcast for a long time. Yeah. In the, in the podcasting world. I mean. Yeah. About 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So like from the birth almost of podcasting, I mean, I know you did radio stuff too, so it's sort of an offshoot of that, but you've interviewed some amazing people. And I just wonder, are there particular guests that really stand out or experiencing experiences as a podcast host that you would share with me? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, for a moment here, quote uh, a, a beloved interviewer in the culture, Oprah, and say, you know how Oprah talks about her aha moments? It's an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always what I'm also looking for. I don't know if I would call it necessarily an aha moment, but it's those times where you go, oh my God, I never, I never had that realization before. And that's interesting to use that term realization. Mm-hmm. So for example, one of the spiritual teachers I love, and I've interviewed him many times, his name's Adyashanti. In a conversation with Adya, and this was relatively recently within the last year, He was talking about how you can actually perceive through your heart, that your heart can be an organ of perception. Mm -hmm. And right there in the interview said, I said, Adya, show me, show me what it's like. Point it out to me when you see through your heart, what's that like? And he was like, okay, well, when you look around and if you just start breathing through your heart, and take in any item in the visual field as if it's being touched by the energy of your breathing heart. And as he was saying this, you know, uh, I fell in love with a white wall in the studio (laughs) that I've looked at for hundreds of podcasts that I never thought anything about. And suddenly I was in this swoon. And I'm, I'm giving this example Because for me, that's the moment I'm always looking for, Mm -hmm. that moment where a new kind of perception, Mm -hmm. uh, a new way of thinking about it. I'll give you an example that just happened last week. Mm -hmm. I was interviewing uh, two people who have written a book for Sounds True called Radical Alignment. Mm -hmm. And these are people, they're not particularly uh, famous. Uh, uh, Alexandra Jameson and Bob Gower, they're a married couple who also lead workshops. And they were talking about how they take people through a four-step process. And the third step has to do with declaring what your boundaries are. And then they said this, how do you know what your boundaries are? What do you need to feel safe? And what do you need to bring out your best? Hmm. And how you can apply that in any situation. And the method they use is like, let's say you're in your marriage, you're trying to figure out a vacation that you're going on. Okay, what do I need to feel safe on this vacation? And what will bring out my best on this vacation? And you share this information with each other. And it's interesting because I'd never thought about boundaries that way. I'd never thought about that. I'd never thought those are the two key questions. And they talk about how you can apply that in the workplace. So you can say to somebody, instead of saying to someone who, who works with you, what are your boundaries in this situation? And then they're going to say, well, I don't want to work on the weekend. I don't want this. But instead, if you say, what do you need to feel safe with this project? And what will bring out your best with this project? 
it's just such a different kind of conversation. So that was my insight moment. Like, oh, so that's always what I'm listening for. I'm always listening for that takeaway, which is another way of putting it. What's the takeaway in which I'm going to be different now because of the thing I heard? And believe it or not, and I think this is interesting, I almost always get a takeaway from every single podcast, sometimes two, three, four, sometimes just one, but it's that takeaway moment that really matters to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would have to agree. I I mean, to me, the conversation and the, yeah, what can I learn from this person? Yeah. What, what, what new perspective can I come away with? And both of those are amazing. I love the boundaries one too, because I think we tend to think of boundaries as these hard, fast, sort of line in the sand thing versus a much more, that's a much more flexible flowing, what do I need to keep safe? What do I need to show up as my, do my best work or show up as my best self? That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I just, uh, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And I wondered if you know, going back to the start of our conversation, if there are people listening who feel as if maybe they are a little alien too, what would you offer to them? So people who are listening, who might feel like an outsider in some way. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, for whatever reason, what's occurring to me is, um, a little strange, but that's okay, which is, you know, uh, we spoke briefly uh, before we began recording together about how you work a lot with people who have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of interest in anxiety in my life. And I would go so far as to say I've had a lot of anxiety as Me a person. Me too. Me too. And one of the people that uh, Sounds True published a book called Already Free with a gentleman named Bruce Tift. And the subtitle of the book is Buddhism Meets Psychotherapy on the Path of Liberation. Mm -hmm. And one of his quotes about anxiety has always stuck with me, which is that anxiety is groundlessness from the ego's point of view. So I'm going to explain that for a moment Mm -hmm. because groundlessness, like when I described to you sitting on the meditation cushion and feeling that sense of infinite expanse, it can feel pretty groundless. And in fact, our lives are groundless. Hmm. They are. They're perfectly groundless. Any one of us could die or lose someone close to us at any moment, even as this conversation is taking place. That's the inherent groundlessness of our lives. It's fact. It's a fact. Yeah. It's a fact. And I think it's become really apparent during the pandemic how how much uncertainty there is, how out of control we actually are, how groundless our lives are. And from a place of spiritual wisdom, that groundlessness is fine. Hmm. There's no issue with it. We can be okay with it. But then Bruce Tiff's point, which is that 
from the ego's point of view, from the viewpoint of the part of us that wants to control things, that wants things to go our way, that wants to make sure that at the end of the day, we're on top, we're yeah. good. From that, then we have anxiety. Mm. That's the, so anxiety is groundlessness from the ego's point of view. Hmm. And I'm, I'm bringing that up because I think a lot of the ways that I felt alien in my life or anxious or different or not in step with the culture, the more I've learned, the more I found their forms of intelligence. Hmm. My anxiety was a form of intelligence. It was because I was so actually naturally connected to groundlessness. I get groundlessness. I know it. <laughs> I feel it. I understand it. It's a doorway to wisdom for me. It's a portal to impermanence. And every single part, the fact that I didn't feel part of the status quo, that's a type of intelligence. The status quo that we have needs to be changed. Mm. It needs to be completely re-engineered to create justice for people. That's yeah. intelligent too. The fact that I didn't fit in to a heterosexual world because it turned out that I'm built for happiness to live and be in an intimate relationship with a woman, that was my body's intelligence telling me, you don't fit, Tammy, you don't fit into that mold. That's not because I was a freak. That's because I was receiving intelligent information about what the path of fulfillment would be for me. So what I have to say in sum is that whatever way you feel different or like an outsider, it's intelligent. It's giving you information about where your true wisdom and true fulfillment lie. Hmm. I love that. I do, I do, I do. And I feel like, yeah, if we can tap into the intelligence piece, like what is this, what, what can I take away from this feeling of, of whether it's anxiety or disconnection to, to teach me about what I need is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you so much for spending this time with us on the podcast today. I really have enjoyed our conversation so, 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 so much. Um, I'm wondering if you can share with people how they find Sounds True, how they find your foundation, your podcast, sure. all that. Sure. Uh, it's all there at soundstrue.com. And you'll find links to all of the various aspects of the business right at soundstrue.com. Very cool. Well, I will provide a link in the show notes for that. And um, again, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for your good work. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tammy Simon and learned a little bit about Sounds True, which is a pretty amazing company. I have definitely taken a few of their courses and ordered books through them. And as I said, I am now an affiliate of Sounds True, which is a very exciting uh, partnership for me. Tammy's journey really spoke to me as I've shared here on the podcast. There were times in my life where I felt as if something was missing, that I didn't feel fit in, or that I, I was somehow different from other people. 
and our shared experience that that feeling can be healed was a profound moment for me. But I think my biggest takeaway from this conversation was that her sharing the experience that our anxiety, our sense of maybe feeling as if we don't belong or don't fit in, can be those parts of us that want us to pay attention, that want us to tune into what we need in those moments to help us feel a part of ourselves, but also a part of the bigger world, the universe, that we belong. And know that you belong, all of you, all of you women warriors. I hope that you will take some moments this week to tap into what you need, tap into those moments of anxiety or feeling like an outsider and ask yourself what you need in those moments to feel more grounded in this space in yourself. I hope you have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the woman warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.